if I were to ask you tonight, what are the two words that I pushed at you all morning this morning during the message? Hopefully, hopefully you'd be able to answer, oh, in Christ, in Christ. Yeah, I mean, how many times did I say that? And I explained it and talked about it in Christ. And I hope those are the words that you took with you from the message this morning. Tonight, I'm going to give you two more words related to those words in Christ. And I hope you'll try to soak them in and understand it. Because listen, if you're saved, if you're in Christ, these two words are absolutely essential to your understanding the Christian life. Right? So the two words this morning were in Christ. The two words tonight are, number one, the word position. And number two, the word condition. Position and condition. Oh, you say, Pastor, this sounds real interesting. Well, I hope in the next few minutes they become interesting to you because I hope you understand this is where you are and this is where you need to be. Okay? I told you this morning that the Apostle Paul loved this phrase in Christ. The phrase in Christ is used 77 times in the Bible, and they're all in the New Testament. That makes sense since Christ is not named in the Old Testament. 77 times, all in the New Testament. And of those 77 times, 75 of those times, it is associated with the Apostle Paul. In fact, 74 of those times, this phrase is used by the Apostle Paul, and one of those times it's used about the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. So, out of 77 times that this phrase, in Christ, is used, 75, it is used either about him, which is only once, or by him, 74 times. The other two times, both of them is used by the Apostle Peter in the book of 1 Peter. So, this is a phrase that the Apostle Paul absolutely loves. And interesting, John wrote a lot in the New Testament, but he never used that phrase, in Christ. James wrote a book, he never used that phrase, in Christ. Peter wrote two books, and he was a, an influence, it's believed he was an influence behind the writing of the book of Mark, excuse me, but, um, and he used the phrase twice. Jude was an apostle, he wrote, the, uh, the epistle of Jude never used the phrase. The apostle Paul uses it 74 times in Christ, in Christ. And this morning I showed you, to put it in a nutshell, that when you are in Christ, you have forgiveness of sins. In Christ, you are a child of God. In Christ, you have, right now, everlasting life. Now, John 15, we read a few minutes ago. Listen to this. In John 15, Jesus said, Abide in me. Now, since Jesus Christ is talking, he's referring to the same concept of in Christ. 
In John chapter 15, verse 5, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vines, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. Now, wait a second. Jesus repeatedly here, and he goes on to do it a few more times, is instructing us to stay, to abide in him. Now, wait a minute. Based upon what we talked about this morning, that sounds a little scary. Because this morning I told you how your position, and I didn't use the word position, about how if you are in Christ, that never changes. It never changes that you're a child of God. It never changes that you are pardoned. It never changes that you have everlasting life. And that's absolutely right. But then how come Jesus said, hey, make sure you stay in me. Jesus is telling us to make sure that we stay in Christ. How does that fit together? Well, the fact is Jesus is referring to something different here than what the Apostle Paul is referring to most of the times that he uses the phrase in Christ. And that's where we come to these words, position and condition. This morning what we talked about was your position in Christ. When you decide, yes, I know that I'm a sinner, I know that Jesus' death and burial and resurrection is the only remedy for my sin, and I decide by faith to put myself right now in Christ. That is done forever the moment you make that decision. You are in Christ, and that is your eternal position. Position. What Jesus is talking about here when he says, abide in me is your condition. Okay? The best illustration that I can think of of this thing of position and condition is the parent-child relationship. Okay? How many have ever had times, whether you're the parent or whether you're the child, where... Because you as a child or your child, who with the child involved, was uh, less than obedient or less than honest, that uh, the relationship was a little bit strained for a little while. Like, like uh, okay, when, we, when our kids were, were small, we did all of our disciplining on mom and dad's bed. And so when one of us said, all right, go to my room and sit on the bed, wait till I get there. We all know what that meant. That meant that the relationship was going to be strained for a little while. So how many of you know, uh, can, can, can say, yeah, uh, whether you're talking about you as a child and your parents or you as a parent and your children, yeah, I, I would have to admit that there, there have been times in my experience in the parent-child relationship where the relationship is strained sometimes. I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about. You know, those of you without your hand up, I really don't know. what You must be asleep because I don't know what you're thinking. Um, we all know what that is. Parent-child relationship can be strained sometimes. However, there's never a time, no matter how difficult and how strained the relationship gets, there is never a time 
where that child ceases to be a child of the parent. I don't care if, you know, this, this thing of disowning your child. I don't care if you go to court to get your child legally disowned. That's a bunch of bogus garbage. But even if you did, I got news for you. It's still your child. They're still your child. So their position of they're my child never changes. If you have to ground them for 15 years, if they have a punishment that just goes on and on and on, man, I'm taking the phone away, I'm taking the TV away, I'm taking the bed away, I'm taking your room away, I'm taking your hair away, I'm taking your shoes away, you can ground them till kingdom come. And it strains the relationship, but it doesn't change their position. They are your child. And I don't know of a better way to explain what I'm trying to explain to you from the scriptures right now. You are a child of God. The moment that you made the choice to be in Christ by faith, you got saved, you were pardoned, you were made a child of God, you were given everlasting life. That is your position forever. And it does not change, it cannot change. But your condition, that's something different altogether. Your condition can be up this hour and down next hour. You know why? Because your condition is dependent upon your relationship with God. All right, I'm not going to ask you to confess this, but how many would have to confess that you've ever, in your time of being saved, you've ever been backslidden? Yeah, okay. Uh, you guys are the only honest ones in a whole bunch. Everybody else abstained from voting. But we all know. <laughs> Pastors, you have to ask that, of course. Okay. When you're backslidden, your condition with God changes. Your position does not Your position is solid and secure, never changes. But your condition, listen, but no matter how bad your condition gets, your position never changes. So there's your position, where you stand with God. By the way, you may sometimes hear or read preachers explain this exact same concept using the words standing and state. And that's not a bad thing. That's fine. I just think position and condition, to me, I understand that better. And when I understand something better, I think I can explain it better. But standing and state means the same thing. Your standing with God never changes. That's your position. Your state with God changes from moment to moment. Okay? Let's, uh, let me give you an example of position. Romans chapter 3, verse 24, that was our text this morning. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That is, as a saved person, that is your position in Christ, and it cannot change. It will not change. And you know those crazy questions if you heard people ask you, would we go ahead and kill somebody? You know, I, how do you even address that? But and then and then what is our answer supposed to be? If you're really saved, you're not gonna kill anybody. Well, 
that whole line of that's just this foolish thinking. The, the, the fact of the matter is the Bible says your position in Christ is such that when you're in Christ, you're pardoned, you're a child of God, you have eternal life, it does not change. You have any Bavarian cream in there? It's calling my name, man, I'm telling you. No? Oh, it's sprinkles. Sprinkles are for sissies. Uh, Bavarian cream, my boy. Okay, all right. Uh, it just helped me. F- no, don't touch it. That's going to that's gonna mess up the whole crowd. Oh, man. Anyway, so your, your position in Christ, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, that's your position. But wait a minute. John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him... The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. That is talking about not your position, but your condition. And if you really want to thrive in your faith, begin to understand the difference between your position in Christ and your condition. I'm going to take just the last few minutes of the message to try to help us to Make distinguish between the two, all right? Your position in Christ was the best it would ever be the moment you got saved. The moment you got saved, your position in Christ was bam, done. It will never get better. It will never get worse. It's rock solid. You're, and I, I used a bunch of examples this morning, but I'm going to stick with the three just for clarity. You're pardoned. You're a child of God. You have everlasting life. Done. The moment you get saved, it is done. It'll never get worse. It'll never get better. It's an automatic. It's a constant for the rest of eternity. Your position in Christ was the best it will ever be the moment you got saved. Your condition in Christ, however, was just beginning the moment you got saved. See, your position in Christ, as if you live to be a thousand years old, your position in Christ, no matter how hard you try, could not possibly ever get better. Your condition, however, in Christ will improve or can improve, has the potential to improve every day for the rest of your life if you let it. Your position can never change. Your condition can always change. Your position is 100%. Did I say position? I meant to. Your position is 100% dependent upon God's faithfulness. You got that? Your position in Christ is 100% dependent upon God's faithfulness. And by the way, everything that's dependent upon God's faithfulness is going to be just fine. But your condition is basically dependent on your faithfulness in seeking for seeking the Lord and obeying the Lord. So since your position is dependent on God's faithfulness, that's going to be fine. 
<laughs> but since our condition is dependent upon our faithfulness, that's going to waver because we know that our faithfulness wavers. I'll give you one more example. Your position in Christ can never be lost. But your condition in Christ can be lost very quickly and it can be restored. So your, your condition, you can have times in your Christian life where you're far away from God. And you can have times in your Christian life where you just have never felt closer to God. And you can go from, oh, I've never felt closer to God. And the very next day feel like, man, I've never felt further away from God. That's your condition. Why? Because that's dependent upon you and your flesh and your weakness. And by the way, we all live there. Don't, don't get angry at yourself. We all live there. But your position with God, you're pardoned, you're a child of God, you have everlasting life, never changes because that's not up to you. That's up to God. And he's got you. Do you understand this thing of position and condition? The struggle of the Christian life is not in your position. That is settled. That is done. The struggle is with your condition. Moment by moment, day in and day out. Now, as you read your Bible, and what I'm about to do, I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to show you three Bible examples of what I'm talking about. Then we're going to wrap it up. That's not nearly as long as it sounds, okay? Here's a statement. When you read a verse in the Bible, notice, I'm talking about when you read a verse having to do with your Christian life. Notice whether that verse is saying, this is done, or whether it's saying, you need to do this. Talking to believers, okay? If it's saying, this is done, it's talking about your position. If it's saying to believers, and you can tell who's talking to by the context, if it's saying, you need to do this, it's talking about your condition. Let's look at a few examples. First of all, let's look at the concept of forgiveness. You being forgiven by God. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, we're going to read verses 6 and 7. Romans chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Now, I realize you don't see the whole context there, but just based upon what you just read right, right there, and if you take my word for it that what, what appears, what's apparent there is consistent with the whole context, would you say that what you just read, when it says, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered, would you say that that's talking about something that you need to do as a Christian? Or is it saying this is something that is done? It's not done. Would you say done? 
Jalen's voting done right there. Okay. I agree. Done. This is talking about your position. Done. Your sins are forgiven. You are pardoned. Because sometimes we talk about, you know, the preacher says, every sin you ever have committed, die. Every sin you do commit, die. Every sin you ever will commit, die. That's how they, that's how they preach down south. They call that a, that's not quite a windsucker, but it's in the windsucker. A windsucker is where they say something and, uh, and they go, <gasps> see, I choked myself just trying to do it. Um, but anyway, uh, you hear the preacher say that and you go, okay, I, I get that. It's all forgiven. That's great. But, but what about if we confess our sins and is faithful and just to forgive us our sins? Well, let's turn over there. First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. No, I am not a, a windsucker. And that reminds me of uh, <laughs> Rebecca who comes to church on Sunday morning. And uh, before they found our church, her and her kids are all small. And her kids were uh, just familiar with, with growing up down south where you'd be more likely to hear a windsucker. And... Uh, so she, she's in junior church, but she came up in the morning service one time, and she, she asked her mom after the service, she's this Abigail, and just cute, cutest girl. She said, uh, Mom, they don't have preaching in, the, in our church? And uh, her mom said, well, yeah, that was, that was preaching in the auditorium. She goes, that wasn't preaching. Because <laughs> I'm not a windsucker. Anyway, you're in First John chapter 1. And I'm not against windsuckers. I just don't have to be one. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, does this sound like it's saying done, or does this sound like an ongoing process? This is an ongoing process. This is telling us some things we need to do. So this is talking about our condition. Okay, so there's two sides of forgiveness. There's the pardon side, which is your sins are pardoned forever for good. As far as the east is from the west, so far as, you know, buried in the depths of the deepest, all that good stuff. And it's all in the Bible. It's all true. And it's talking about our position with God. Your sins will never be held against you. This verse, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. This is talking about our condition. It's talking about our relationship with God. So, our sins will never condemn us to hell once we're in Christ. But our individual sins will hurt our relationship with God because we still sin and our sins still do grieve God and our sins still do have consequences. They will never be held against us. They will never, never condemn us to hell. But they do, our effect, they do affect our relationship with him. So our pardon, our everlasting pardon, that's our position in God. But our sins that we commit every day and we need to take them to God and be forgiven, 
Why do I need to be forgiven when I've already been completely pardoned? Because your sins still put a distance between you and God. Your sins still have consequences upon your daily life. You still need to get them right so you can get back as close to God as quickly as you can. The first one is your position in Christ. The second is your condition in Christ. Do you see the difference? Now, you have to meditate on that for that to really sink in and for you to understand it. And look, when don't get caught up on, I just don't understand how it's not a contradiction that I've been pardoned, but I still have to confess my sins. See the distinction and trust God to show you that there is a difference between the two. One has to do with your... And by the way, praise God that your sins can never send you to hell once you're saved. That's your position in Christ. Done deal. But if you want to stay close to Christ, you've got to keep confessing those sins to him so that your relationship stays fresh and clean and right. Let's look at another example. Forgiveness is an example. Here's another one. Look at Romans chapter 5. Just so you know, if you're going, okay, how much of this is ahead? Let me break it down. We're going to look at this example and one more, and for each example, two passages. So you're going to turn a total after this of three more times. Does that bring you peace to your soul? Okay. All right, Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Now we're still looking for, does this verse say, this is done, or you need to do this, all right? Romans 5, verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that saying you need to do this or to the believer, or is it saying, hey, it's done? Done. It's done. You have peace with God. That's your position in Christ. Done. That'll never be changed. You will never cease in your position to have peace with God. Look at Philippians chapter 4, however. And however probably wasn't even the best word right there because this is not an exception. This is not a contradiction. It is just a truth in a different category. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you can see that verse 7 is dependent upon the action in verse 6? Be careful for nothing. In everything by prayer and thanks, uh, supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And as a result, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Okay. So as you take the the whole of those two verses, is this something that has been done, it's done? Or is it something where the Bible's telling us, you you need to do this? Yeah, this is a you need to do this verse to Christians. So this is not talking about your position. Romans 5.1 was talking about your position. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We are at peace with God. Done. But this is your condition. Don't be a worrier. Take everything to God, and in prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto him, and as a result, the peace of God will keep you. This is your condition. We have peace. We are eternally at peace with God. That's important to remember. No matter how 
backslidden you get. And this is not a license to backslide. It's just an assurance from God that no matter how backslidden you get, your position in Christ is you're at peace with God. But that doesn't mean you will have the peace of God in your soul if you're ignoring him. So the first is your position in Christ. The second is your condition. One more. And this, this, this one may be the one that, that uh, confuses people most often. Let's look at the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. I don't have to turn there. I know it. Okay. But it's not going to hurt you to, to look at it. John chapter 3, verse number 16. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? Those who believe on Jesus have everlasting life. So once you believe on Jesus... Do you have to keep on seeking everlasting life or is it done? You have it. According to this verse, it's done. So this is your position in Christ. Once you believe on Jesus, your position in Jesus Christ is you have everlasting life done. Oh, man. That just makes you, it's like standing on a hot day in a cool breeze and going, it's done. I have everlasting life. Every once in a while, I just need to soak that in. You have everlasting life. But then what does it mean in 1 Timothy chapter 6? Turn over there, 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. Now, just to be clear, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. Paul confirms that he is convinced that Timothy has been saved. Paul confirms that he believes Timothy is a faithful soldier. We know that Timothy is a pastor. So we're we're talking about a young man of God here, clearly saved. I mean, by all observation, clearly saved. Then why does Paul say to him in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay Hold on eternal life. Well, wait a minute. He already has eternal life. Yes, he does. Then why does he need to lay hold on it? Okay. Because your position is the everlasting life that you are given the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's your position. You have, the, you have everlasting life. You shall not come into condemnation, but Jesus said you are already passed from death unto life the moment you're saved. What is there for Timothy to lay hold on eternal life then? This is talking about the quality of your life when you get to heaven. Going to heaven is more than just getting there. When you get to heaven... You're going to want to know the language. <laughs> Imagine if the language of heaven is all Bible. There's going to be a whole lot of Christians walking around just going, uh, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. <laughs> That's all they know. 
Now, I don't think the language of heaven is restricted to just the contents of the Bible, but I know this. If you didn't spend much time getting to know God, you're not going to be real comfortable in whatever the language of heaven is when you get there. There are treasures to be laid up. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There are treasures to be laid up. There's all, there, there is becoming like Jesus Christ. I've used this example based on 1 John chapter 3 in the first couple of verses. We know that we, when we shall uh, see him, uh, I'm sorry, that he shall appear, we shall see him as he is and we shall be like him. I butchered that, but that's what it, the context is. We should be like him, for we shall see him as, as he is. And i got to tell you, I believe that's telling us that when we see Jesus Christ, when he returns, for the believer, everything's going to be, however you want to say it, vanished, transformed, burned off, whatever you, everything that has not been made like Jesus Christ, poof, is gone. And my great concern is, what's going to be left? How do you remember that? <laughs> this is my crazy mind. Remember that episode of, of it's the Open Sesame episode of Bugs Bunny. How do you remember the Open Sesame episode of, oh, come on, I'm not, me and Rob and Mark and Amy. Okay, the rest of you are lying. Uh, if, if, you, if you need to go home and you need to do a YouTube search for Open Sesame Bugs Bunny, and, and you will be thoroughly entertained. Okay. In that episode, a genie comes out of the bottle, and he unleashes his power on Donald Duck. Daffy Duck, Donald Duck, Daffy Duck, Daffy Duck. Donald Duck is Disney. All right, Daffy Duck. And Daffy Duck is shrunk down into this tiny little guy, and he comes popping up out of the ground like an ant, and he grabs hold of the treasure and says, Mine, mine, all mine. And uh, when I think of, <laughs> this is terrible, but it's, this, is, this is what helps me. When I think of when we see Jesus when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everything, we are reduced to that part of us which has been made like Jesus Christ. I don't want to become that little midget guy. Because that's all of Joe Vasek that has become like Jesus Christ. So I go from six foot five and way too many pounds to zoot this little guy. Oh, man, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. I'm saying there's more to prepare for for heaven than just getting there. So your position in Christ is that because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ because of the finished work of the cross and his resurrection from the dead for your sins, you have eternal life. But you still need to, in your condition, lay hold on eternal life so that you are building your inheritance once you get there, those are three examples. Forgiveness, peace, eternal life. If you examine your Bible, you'll find others. Your position in Christ, solid, secure, you can't lose it. It's, it's, it's rock solid because it all depends on the faithfulness of God. Your condition in Christ, that depends on your growth. That depends on your faithfulness. So let me give you a closing remarks and we're all done. First of all, learn everything you can about your position in Christ. Just because it all depends on God doesn't mean you shouldn't learn everything you can about it. It'll strengthen your faith. 
Oh, it'll uh, enhance your, your personal worship of God when you realize all that he's done for you in Jesus Christ. And the epistles are full of things that God says you have just because you are in Christ. But then work daily on your condition in Christ. How do you do that? First and foremost, through communication with him. You're never going to grow. Your condition is never going to be what it should be if you're not in constant communication with God. You talk to him, he talks to you. Communication. Obedience. Holiness. Those are just a few of the words that will keep your condition growing and improving. Very simple thought tonight, and yet, as simple as the message was, the concept itself is eternally profound. And I hope you meditate upon it and seek to grasp it. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help us.